short round. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Joe's horn here, potato. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best loved in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Happy, can we say Happy New Year? Not according to Larry David, but. It's our first episode. It's our back. first episode. Gives us some, yeah. Uh, it, it is a new year. We've had, what, four weeks off? Look at us. I think, yeah, we were just saying um, before, I think this might be the longest we've ever not recorded mm. for. So forgive us if we're a little rusty. Yeah, well, you had a big trip back home, down under. Yeah, yeah, and I got to work the whole time. (laughs) The old working holiday. (laughs) Unscheduled working holiday. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that was a bummer. But we did get to hang out, which was cute, but we didn't really have time to put a pod together, unfortunately, being the season of festivities. Festivities plus work equaled uh, no in-person podding in Australia, unfortunately. Yeah, but we're Unfortunately. back on the technology thing. Yeah, doing hey, can job. I say, Greg? Did you get a, Did you get a new laptop or something? I have got a new laptop. I'm looking pretty crisp. Yeah, aren't you're, I? yeah you're HD right now. I feel like you're just sitting across the table from me. This is yeah. real 21st century stuff. Got a Microsoft number now. Pretty good. Nice. Mm, as a new as a newly appointed Clippers fan, I'm all about Microsoft <laughs> and that sweet Bulma money. <laughs> I love this company. Have you seen those videos? I have, which are a bit cringe, but he is a bit of a ledge, it seems, as far as billionaires go. Yeah, he seems to be, like he's he's nuts, but I guess you have Mm. to be. Mm -hmm. But those old Microsoft, I don't know, whatever they were, annual summits or whatever. Some kind of summit. He would go nuts. Go nuts. Yeah. I would too. In hindsight. <laughs> Why not? I'm a uh, billionaire. Yeah. But he pumps heaps of money into this team and and um, and mm. like supports the ex-players and all this awesome stuff. Anyway, that's a new thing for me. What about the break, Tristan? Did you did you digest any non-pod related content? Did you see any movies? You watched the Onion movie, didn't you? Yeah, I watched Glass Onion. I've watched a little thing called Everywhere, Everything, Everywhere All at Once, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little later. Mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. watched uh, something called Triangle of Sad. I was actually thinking, so I watched this thing called Triangle of Sadness, which is fucking great too. Okay. And I was thinking how funny it was how we had our like 2022 in review. It wasn't its own episode, but it was off the, on the back of the uh, the old Muppets Christmas Carol episode. Mm. And how like, you know, we talked about our favourite movies we covered that year, but we also talked about our favourite 2022 films and I'm sure you're in the same boat. It's funny how I feel like I was picking out of just a handful of movies. <laughs> I feel like I didn't see any new movies last year. Yeah, I saw Top Gun. And I said Barbarian was my favourite, which I, I still love, but those last two movies I saw could easily also be number one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You get a bit of clear brain space. Yeah. Just having, you know, a bit of non-work, non stress period to watch a movie or two or read a book or whatever floats your boat. Bit of both. And watch a good movie because yes. sometimes yes, I'm precisely. like, 
I'm like too. I don't, especially if I know it's going to be a good movie. Like I've heard it's really good. I don't want to waste like, it it's, on like it's heavy. Yeah, and I don't want to waste it on a you know fully exhausted brain. <laughs> exactly. Um, I want to like you know enjoy all the juices. But you've been you've been going back on. I guess there's sort of double impact related. You've been revisiting oh, the Godfather. I did. Yeah, I rewatched the Godfather one and most of part two. That was quite nice. Nice. Just in little evening yeah. snippets. Nice. With a glass of red. Yeah. With some coppola wine. Yeah. Mm, I bought some coppola wine, wine actually. <clears throat> yeah. Just because it's coppola wine. It was fine. Fine fine wine or fine? <laughs> well, fine as in like, yeah, I don't have no palate. So to me it's all just all good. It's all it's all good. It's all it's gravy. A, it's all fantastic. Did you watch any other new movies over the break? I watched the Everything Everywhere movie. I watched yeah. the Onion movie. Mm. Uh, I watched a little film called The Holiday. Oh, yeah, as is tradition <laughs> at this point. The wives yeah, love The is. Holiday. And you know what? I don't mind it. It's all right. It's okay. It's better than, like, it's better than Love Actually. It's better than, yeah, most of those rom-coms set at Christmas, I'm down. That's, that's, that's probably as good as yeah, it's Yeah, I'm get. okay with it. I, yeah. It's, it's, re- it's self-aware enough. Mm. And it's got that delightful Jack Black. It's got the delightful Jack Black. That's the only thing in it is it's, I'm not sure how I feel about restrained Jack Black. I we were like talking about this. Jack I think Black. I was reflecting on it because we were talking about this. I think in most cases that is the appeal of a comedy actor going straight is like, oh, this is so restrained. But I know what you mean because he kind of maybe he, if he was playing a psychopath, you know, like Robin Williams in One Hour Photo, yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah. But he's kind, oh. he has moments of goof and you're like, I want him to mm. go full goof. Mm. But he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's that's well articulated. If he was doing something, yeah, creepy or a little off yeah. centre, in some way, shape, or form. But he just plays a relatively boring guy. But that's okay, you know. Um, it's okay. He makes Christmas fettuccine, which I made this year as well. So the holiday is <laughs> permeating my Christmas period. Yeah, with recipes and such. <laughs> Christmas fettuccine was a hit. Christmas. Yeah. When did I make it? Christmas Eve. Yeah. Nice. Called it my own. I'm going to be making some dinner tonight based off the food in this very film. Are you? No. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Bugs? No. I'm going to order some Indian food and I expect it to be exactly like that. Well, I think this is, I assume this is what Hindus eat, right? Chilled monkey's brains. Yeah, yeah. The vegetarian, famously vegetarian. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Love it. On that note. Should we get it? Well, we've, that's a lot of preamble for us, isn't it? Oh, it's been a while. You know, we've got a lot mm. to get off our chest. It's been but, a while. Um, mm. Doing a little movie called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, not in Diana Jones and the Temple of Poon. Yeah. Of which I was I was looking up the trailer because I thought it would be hilarious if, you know, when we go to the part to play the trailer, if I played that instead, it would have been so funny. I couldn't find it. No. I could only yeah. find like snippets. Couldn't even find that. Um, There also seems to be a lot of them with slightly varying titles like Indiana Mm. Bones, The Temple of Poon. Oh, yeah. I think they just all jumped on it because it's, yeah, it's made for it. Indiana Bones is good. Yeah, Indiana Bones is good. That's pretty smart. It's pretty clever. Indiana Bones in Diana Jones. That kind of works. That works too. Anyway. 84. 84, what a year. Yeah, the year of. Tristan's birth. There you yeah, go. there you That's go. It. Keep going. Well, I thought, you know, in a, a nod to one of our stars of this film, child star, 
it was also a breakout year for another child star in the form of a TV show. Yes. Dramatic pause. One Punky Brewster. Oh, wow. Now, my question to you, Tristan, is do you remember this show? I do. Only, I feel like I must have only caught the tail end, though. Uh, my sister must have watched it or something. Like, I remember it, but I don't remember it, if that makes sense. And I remember the faces. I knew, yeah. I can remember the old man. The old man. Yeah, so Punky Brewster, um, quick recap, if you can't remember, it was the, it ran for only a couple of seasons in the mid-'80s, well, 84, obviously, in the, in the U.S., don't know when it came out here, um, mm. but I certainly watched it, um, probably driven by my older sister. Yeah. was about a young girl being raised by a foster parent, uh, Soleil, Soleil Moon Fry, her name is, mm. raised by foster parent played by George Gaines. Does that name ring a bell? No. He looks really Commodant familiar. Lassard. Commodant Lassard. What? Commodant Lassard. What? Oh, Police Academy. Uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the foster dad and like, I don't know. It's pretty heavy, maybe content in there for, for, you know. I didn't realize he was foster dad. I thought he was just a single dad or maybe a grandfather or something. No, he was just a guy. She got like left at the, the dumpster or something wild. Shit. Something hectic. Anyway, I think it all turns out happy in the end. But then they did a, they recently did, I think like in the last couple of years, they did a, a somewhat of a reboot. Oh, like a Fuller House style thing. She's yeah, like an adult now and yeah. She was an adult, had three, single mum with three kids. Her ex was Freddie Prinze Jr. And she left her kids at a dumpster. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good idea. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, 360. Um, <laughs> and then 180, 360. Freddie Prinze Jr. Um, I'm ready for him to come back. I like him now. Yeah. I hated him as a teen. Yeah, well, he... Carol sent me something, him getting interviewed recently, and he was like, I was like, how do you stay married for so long? He's like, oh, my tip is learn to cook and then find a girl who doesn't know how to. <laughs> that's pretty like, that's good. me. <laughs> that's a good point. Carol can't leave um, me. She would die of starvation. They're actually a very sweet couple. Both of them don't work that much just because they agreed that like anywhere where they have to, like they prioritise their relationship basically. Like mm. I'm not going to go to Europe for eight months to make a movie, like they'll just work on stuff where they can stay together, which is very sweet. Isn't that sweet? For the kids. Meanwhile, Ara's in Vegas and I'm here by myself. <laughs> working. <laughs> I was looking at her Instagram feed and knowing that Tristan had to work all over New Year's as well. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And I was, at, <laughs> I was in Vegas. I'm like, Same. oh, man, I hope Tristan's off social media. But I, knew I haven't left would, this should... desk for 10 days now. <laughs> How long have I? Seven days. Seven I was hoping days. you'd look a little bit more disheveled, if I'm honest. You look a bit sane. Uh, well, I think because I have light at the end of the tunnel, I've got a big presentation on Monday night, and uh, I feel okay about it. You're under it control. Now. Yeah. I'm under control. I've seen you, I've seen you like, 
to show Not under control. I yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I thought I'd be getting that today. <laughs> so that's nice. No, no, but, yeah, it's no Vegas. Well, Ara's been ripping it up over in for CES. Yeah. You've been screwing a strategy away, looking after your boy. Yeah, I get out twice a day just to walk the boy. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, anyway, Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster. So this is a good one because um, she made a documentary recently of all her – she also used all of her footage from being a child star – this is Soleil yeah. Moon Frey, however you say it. Soleil, Soleil, I don't Soleil. know. Soleil. Like um, she's got all this great like camcorder, old school camcorder footage of her and all her child star mates and it's a documentary about child stars in the 80s. I, I only started yeah. watching it. I didn't finish it but it was pretty interesting. Like I think Corey Hames in it. I, can't I would it's, hope so. They're all, all your favourites. Well, other Corys? Any other Corys? Stories, allegories. Feldman, yeah. Feldman Corys. Maybe. And um, yeah, I don't know. She seems like an, an interesting, uh, interesting person. She, yes, she does. Yeah. Yes. 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 Was that half animated or something? Was there like a cartoon, Punky Brewster? Am I getting that my wires crossed? I think they did make a cartoon. Uh, yeah. I think you might be right. And it wasn't the same show. It wasn't like it was half. Cartoon no, half. I think it was. Uh, yeah. I think no, it that was just stuff. a cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's why I remember that more. Interesting. Wow, what a year, Greg. What a year. Uh-huh. Big year for movies too. Huge year for movies. And, man, a huge year for Double Impact because we've covered like almost all of these actually. We have done so many. Well, it's because I always want you to use my birth as the member berry and you never you never quite bite. Mm. You just touch on it as if it was some insignificant news. But it's the most important thing that's ever happened to me. <sighs> well. And maybe my mother. I don't know. Is it? Um, 1984 at the box office. Huge. Huge. You got a, the number one film was Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. You got a Ghostbusters. You got Gremlins in the mix, all of which we've covered. Termy? Here, by the way. What year did Terminator come out? No. No, no Termy yet. Uh, Karate Kid, we've covered. Police Academy, we've covered. Footloose, we have not covered. Romance in the Stone, we've not covered. Star Trek Three, we'll probably never cover. Splash, that'll be a good one to cover. And, you know, that's, that's nine out of the top 10 of the year in 1984. Um, but coming in at number three that year was a little film, a little sequel or prequel, depending on how you define these things, called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Came out in May of 1984 with a budget of 28.17 million dollars, with a gross box office of 333 million dollars. So that's a hit in anyone's language. It is. The Romy, the Romy speaks for itself. The Romy really does speak for itself. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's significant. Um, Rotten Tomatoes scores, uh, critic score of 83 percent, audience score of 82 percent. Critic consensus as follows. It may be too dark for some, 
But Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom remains an ingenious adventure spectacle that showcases one of Hollywood's finest filmmaking teams in vintage form. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Was this a big film for you? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Man, yeah. this was like, you know, I would have seen this when I was so young, so it is a little murky. I couldn't tell you if I saw this at the cinema. I wouldn't be surprised knowing my parents, you know, by then I'd have uh, uh, my brother would have been about eight. Mm. So, you know, they're probably like, we've well, got to get this these little weapons out of here, out of the house, let's go to the movies. We used to do that mm. and uh, I would just be dragged along in a bassinet or whatever form I came in at that age. Mm. Um, I probably would have been maybe like four or something. Mm. But nevertheless, I saw this movie quite a bit over the early years of my life. Yeah. It was one of my favourite movies, Tristan. It was certainly my favourite Indiana Jones for quite, like for, for, you know, till I was probably a teenager or beyond. Short round, man. Short round was a big deal. He was the coolest guy. He could drive a car, all these things. Yeah. Uh, Obviously the dinner scene, the heart-ripping scene, the bridge scene. Yeah. Uh, Many scenes. I'm I'm just, you know, I'm just rattling off scenes here. (laughs) What about you, man? Was this a big movie for you? I feel like it would have been. Yeah. So this is an interesting one because I'm unsure if it's just wishful thinking slash imagination or genuine memories. So, But you are short round? I am short round. Yeah, that's – thank you. I was going to tell a long-winded version of that. No, I um, <laughs> my my core memory from this film, like my earliest memory from this film was Monkey Brains and Eyeball Soup. And yeah, sorry, I didn't mention that, of course. It, like that's the number one thing. And, um, and um, when I posted this was the next episode in our Instagram stories, my mother replied and said, you saw that when you were two years old? And I was like, I did? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, what, at the cinema? She's like, no, we're at a friend's house and you and your sister and their kids were watching it together. So I was like two years old and my (laughs) sister was like six years old or whatever. Yeah. And then once she said that, I was like, huh, that sounds right. But I'm like, I can't have a memory from when I was two years old, surely. Like that sounds crazy. So – and sorry, when I say this sounds right, it's because I remember my, it kind of checks out because what I was going to say about my memory of that food scene was that I didn't even, I remember not knowing what Indiana Jones was then and it wasn't until years later when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, that was this movie, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, right, yeah. And so there's a chance that this movie might be one of my earliest memories because if yeah. I remember a two-year-old screening you know, my mum may also be a year or two off or something, so who knows. But still, this film may be one of my formative memories. <laughs> that explains a lot. Not really. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> well, I'm scared of Indian people. Why are you so, why are you so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scared of Indian people as a joke about the movie being slightly racist, especially when it comes to food. Um, mm. And voodoo. And <laughs> And, uh, yeah, some various things in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of a big one, big one. That's crazy. Yeah. Good on Jude for, for sharing that as well. Yeah, friend of the show, mum. <laughs> and, you know, since since I've learned that the monkey brains was actually just custard with raspberry, I'm like, that sounds delicious. Doesn't it? Yeah, it's fucking great. I'd go some raspberry. I love raspberry. Yeah. Or like um, rhubarb and apple. 
with some custard. Now I'm just talking about things I like. Um, yeah. Pizza? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> should I get into the origin story of this film? <laughs> Please do. I think, yeah, we, let's keep it moving. Yeah. As much as people want to hear us listing out foods that we enjoy. <laughs> origin story. This is a sequel, Greg, or prequel, I guess, technically. I, we'll get into that. But um, origin story-wise, that makes it, it gives us a bit of a shortcut. But I will, I will quickly recap um, the origin story of the Raiders of the Lost Ark in very brief form. Please. Uh, this was the coming together of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Uh, back in the early 70s, Lucas cracked two big ideas mm. based on the film serials of the 1930s and 40s. One, a space opera, and one a man with a whip named Indiana Smith. Mm. And the rest is history. Um, And him and Spielberg were buddies. They had met at Francis Ford Coppola's place, you know, the man that makes the wine that I drank that one time, for a screening of Duel, Spielberg's first film in 1971. Um, They were on vacation together, I guess, which is weird to imagine, in Hawaii and um, sitting on them deck chairs, talking <laughs> about leaving on them their deck wives. chairs, and, and yeah, fantasizing about being heroes. No, and I guess they they were jamming on this, and uh, Lucas tells him about Indiana Smith, and Spielberg says that's the worst name I ever heard. And then he says, "What about Indiana Jones?" And they said, "You got yourself a deal." Um, now, yeah, needed a bit of Welsh to it, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it needs more Welsh. <laughs> And so they made a film called Raiders of the Lost Ark and it was huge, huge, $390 million at the box office, number one film of 1981. Great movie. And apparently when George convinced Spielberg to direct the first one, he made him commit to all three, um, basically saying he imagines this as a trilogy and he has all the stories already figured out. But when it came to make this one, uh, I guess he came clean to Spielberg in that he had no ideas. Um, he just liked the idea of a trilogy. Yeah. So they needed an idea, Greg. It's like it's like The Rock, just wanted a franchise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to do another Rock thing. The Rock's getting enough heat right now. Yeah, I'm going to back off. Yeah. It was okay when we were the early ones, but now I almost feel bad for him and want to defend him. But I will not defend him because he needs to learn. Um, <laughs> anyway, they're back. Because if you make the number one film in 1981, you've got to make a film in 1981. You've got to go again. It's just, it's just the way it is. You can even do a prequel if you want. Exactly. Especially if you don't want the same woman in the sequel because that why would you want to do that? Mm. You'd have a new babe every yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally part of the rationale. So basically they're like, well, we, we don't want to bring Karen Allen back because we should obviously have a different babe every film. Yeah, it's like and Bond. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that is He's the, a fl- the, the flounder? reference point there. F- f- what? F- I don't know. One of them. Um, Misogynist? (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe. Which was the style. It was the the style of the time. It was the 80s via the 30s. Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they didn't want to bring Karen Allen back and they also didn't want him to fight Nazis again because that's boring. So they technically made it a prequel set one year earlier and being, I guess, the second act of what they were seeing as a trilogy, similar to Empire Strikes Back, they wanted it to be a little bit darker. Apparently, Empire Strikes Back's a bit darker. Mm. We're not we're not Star Wars men. I don't really know much about that. Yeah, it's way darker. He loses his hand and everything. Ah, uh, true. Spoil, he kisses spoiler. his sister. Does he kiss his sister in that one? I don't know. I don't Sounds know. pretty dark to me. 
Now, plot-wise, at one point I think it was going to be a bit more China-centric. They had an opening uh, where there was going to be a motorcycle chase on the Great Wall of China and China was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and then there was another idea that it was going to be set in a haunted castle in Scotland. Hey. But Spielberg was like, yeah, it's a little poltergeisty for my liking. And then, mm. you know, one of the producers was like, well, I've just been to India. We could do something about that. Yeah. That's pretty weird. Yeah, that's a weird place. Quite alien. Um, different you know. to Hollywood. So mystical and, yeah. Anyway. Um, so they land on this idea of religious cult set in India, black magic, human sacrifice, etc. And they bring this to the writer of the first film, Lawrence Kasdan. And this is fascinating. I didn't know this. Um, and you read it today. But he was like, nah, man. He said, I didn't want to be associated with the Temple of Doom. Uh, He said, I just thought it was horrible. It's so mean. There's nothing pleasant about it. I think Temple of Doom represents a chaotic period in both their lives and the movie is very ugly and mean-spirited. I'm not sure if he's talking about representation of Indian culture there or if he just means the darkness in general. Uh, But they brought in Willard Huck and Gloria Katz instead because, because of their alleged knowledge of Indian culture. Can we get those names again? Uh, Willard Huck and Gloria mm. Katz. Not Indian uh, names that I'm familiar with. No. Yeah, but I guess, you know, they went there once and so they're experts mm. well, and filled in the blanks themselves. Yeah. <laughs> now, casting, yeah. this is a fun one to talk about. Casting is a delight in this one. Um, for the role of Short Round, named after one of the aforementioned writer's dogs, mm-hmm. um, a lot of dog naming in this one. Mm. Um, 6,000 kids auditioned for Short Round. Isn't that crazy? 6,000 kids. It's a lot of auditions. And Ki Kwan got the part, but he was just there with his brother who was actually auditioning. It was one of those classic ones. Classic. real, um, you know, Mad Max situation. Um, I've got a little clip of him talking about it quite recently on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I'll play that right now. Yeah, easier to find content of him of late. <laughs> right? In fact, it's hard to find old content of him. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas was looking for an Asian kid uh-huh. to, to co-star with Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And you were Asian at that time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, the, yeah the last time I checked, yes. And were you an actor at the time? No, no, I was not. So they, 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 you know, they went everywhere searching for it. I couldn't find it. Almost gave up the role. And then they decided to have an open call in Chinatown, Los Angeles. Wow. And, uh, and my little brother went to audition. I tagged along. Uh, Isn't and I that was, always the way? It's always <laughs> and, how yeah, it goes. Yeah. And, and, and I was coaching him uh-huh. behind the camera, and the casting director saw me and asked me if I wanted to try, to give it a try, and I did. The next day, I got a call from Steven Spielberg's office. And, uh, and my mom thought, you know, her Hollywood, her famous director... She thought it was a really fancy meeting, so she put me in this three-piece suit with a little <laughs> with a little gold chain hanging out of the side pocket. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so Stephen came out, gave me saw how, how uncomfortable I was, uh-huh. gave me the biggest hug, the warmest smile, and says, "Key, I want you to come back the next day, but wear something comfortable." <laughs> uh, and, and I went back the next day. I walked in the room. And there was Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and Harrison Ford. Wow. And we spent an entire afternoon together. And three weeks later, 
I was on a flight to Sri Lanka, and it was the best adventures of my life. <sighs> so good. Apparently, like, um, yeah, best story. Apparently, they like impro- They as part of that day, I think they improvised the cheating at card games scene, and just yeah, it sounds delightful. What a, yeah. what a what a ah oh, yeah, we're gonna uh, this this episode is more than likely gonna slip into a uh, Kikwan appreciation episode, but um. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the character of Willie Scott, named after Spielberg's dog, mm. played by Kate Capshaw, who ended up becoming Kate Capshaw Spielberg because mm. uh, they got married, you see. Yeah. So he, he married the woman who played the character that he named after his dog. Uh, apparently 120 auditioned for that one, not quite as many as Short Round, but um, mm. can you blame him? It's a pretty thankless role. You get to just scream a lot and... It is One of the it. origin story of Karen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Apparently Sharon Stone was one of the ones that auditioned back in the day. Karen Stone. Toasty. Yeah, there it is. Forgot about the buttons, Greg. It's a little oh, yeah. rusty. Yeah, 30 them. minutes in, no buttons. Keep going. Anyway, you, 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 you write up some, some racist stereotypes, um, fly over to Sri Lanka, not India, because they wouldn't let you shoot there because your script is racist. Bish bash bosh, you go self a film. <laughs> Rap party in the, at the monkey brain place. I just love the, the double down <laughs> the racism. You're like, oh, you don't like it? Well, there's another country pretty close. It's pretty similar. I'll just go yeah, there. man. Yeah, I want to bite my tongue on that because I got a bit of that later because in the making of – there's a whole thing that's pretty hilarious in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. But let's play the trailer. Yeah. The old legend of the Shankara stones. The villagers' sacred rock was taken. Village stories, Dr. Jones. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. Archaeologists were always funny little men searching for their mummies. Mummies. Oh, mum, she mum. Oh, mum, she mum. Oh, mum, she mum. <laughs> what happened in this movie, Greg? Uh, yeah, well, okay. So we're all familiar with Indy from Raiders. Uh, yeah. I took down the Nazis. Uh, well, mm. you know, in order to get to a point in your career when, mm. you know, you're going to do things like foil Nazis, um, you know, Global domination plans. You've got to have a few yeah. adventures under your belt, right? Yeah, it's very true. Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, well, this is just the story of one of those adventures. Mm. Mm. That's basically what it is. Um, we opened in 1935, Shanghai, of course. Uh, and he's doing a smuggle deal. He's a, there's a jazzy musical number to open proceedings. Don't let's see how you see Anything 
go. Yeah, which uh, I like that. That's like my that's my level of musical. <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> give me give me one bit of and then out. Stop. Back into the movie. As long as it I'm ends okay in, with that. in people dying, you're good. Yeah. Guns. And and yeah. poisons and antidotes. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. And not more songs. Yeah, yeah. Probably most importantly. <laughs> um so Indy's doing a smuggle deal. Um, things go a little bit pear-shaped at the Lazy Susan. <laughs> All kinds of kerfuffle. Indy escapes the, the scene. Look, I won't go into the details there. He escapes the scene with Karen and Short Round. Um, they get on a plane. Plot twist. The plane is owned by the guy, bad guys at the Lazy Susan. Yeah. Uh, but the guys don't realise that. So they're sleeping on this sort of cargo plane thinking everything's sweet. Then they wake up to the pilots jumping out of the plane. Never a sight you want to see, let me tell you. No, certainly uh, But no parachute, no worries. They've got a life raft. Uh, so they jump out of the plane uh, in the life raft, landing safely on a mountain, a, a snowy-capped mountain slope. Uh, they have a little ride off a, a giant cliff. Uh, into some rapids, uh, which they safely manoeuvre, onto a nice, calm, flat part of the river. They did well. Yeah. They did well. Uh, they find a little village. The village is in pretty bad shape, Tristan. It's, a, you know, there's some... Mm. Uh, it's like you know, smouldering. It looks like it's on the side of a volcano, if I'm honest. It's not looking mm. great. And they mm. say the village has lost its powers because someone nicked their stones. So... Mm. Uh, the old boy there is like, yeah, no, no, you're going to go to Pantucket Palace, Pancot Palace, and get me my <laughs> stones because if you can survive falling 2,000 feet out of the air in a rubber ducky, then you can surely take down the heart rippy guy and brown-faced Nazi. You're the man for the job. <laughs> so. Our white saviour is here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Indy, Short Round and Karen head off to the Temple of Doom to save the day. They get to the temple, there's heaps of bugs, some booby traps, Karen's super whingy, and then we get to this weird BDSM chamber with heaps of kink going on. The Don <laughs> in, the, in the setup is a guy called Molaron. Molaron. Yeah. Mm. Did you know that's an anagram for amoral? Think about <laughs> no it. No way. <laughs> Jeremy's iron all over. Jeremy's iron. He's up to no good. <laughs> He <laughs> rips out your heart and feeds you to lava with this scary little hat with a little monkey at the top that's looking at you. Like, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there's some cool chasey, bridgy, breaky action. It's a fun kicking Mine carts. ride. Minecarts, voodoo. Yeah. It's all there. Racism. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, look, it, it's. It, it's a guilty fun ride, I say. Man, it's a fun adventure. Shit. Yeah, that's the synopsis. Yeah, man. Well, well surmised. It's uh, you touched on everything there, and it is. It's man. It's a fun ride. It's a shame about the racism because it's it's a fun ride, and I know I've already like mentioned that a few times. And this is not. Don't worry, it's not going to be that episode. We will talk about it. I'm probably bring it up because I'm nervous to talk about it. But um, yeah, I don't need a shit all over this movie. It's a yeah, it's a like delight. 
it's fucking it's fun. <laughs> it's just I mean, that I, it's like, oh bro, how could you have ever <laughs> even thought that that was okay? Oh, man, it's so hard. All right, let's 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 park that for a minute. Yeah. And just celebrate some of the good stuff. Yeah. Um which, you know, this movie it's fun, man. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> Do you know what it is heaps more than it's heaps camper than I remember? It's pretty camp. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a little. Well, yeah, we did uh, we did Raiders of the Lost Ark like a while ago now, I think, like mm-hmm. at least a year. I maybe couldn't even longer. find the app. That's how. <laughs> if you search. I'm not an archaeologist. How am I supposed to find Precisely. If Raiders you, of the Lost Ark. I tried episode. to search like why Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and Double Impact Raiders. You're not getting the app on Apple Podcasts. Oh, we need to work. Anyone want to help me, us with our SEO? Yeah. Well, shouldn't that just Apple just do that? Yeah, right. Um, Man, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I think the biggest thing which I like, uh, fuck, short round, man. How fucking great is short round? I think I was texting you yesterday. I I watched it twice this week. And um, the first time I've had a stressful week, I wasn't quite in, in the best mood. And I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then last night I was like, yeah, let's let's watch this properly. And it was so much fucking fun. And I think, yeah, um, yeah I texted you and I was like, fuck, I forgot Short Round is in this whole movie. I think for some reason I just thought he was in the opening or something. But did you think he didn't make it off the life raft? Because that would I don't know, like sense. almost a cameo or something. Like, I don't know, I just didn't really, <clears throat> it's not something I really consciously thought about all that much, but I, I guess I was just, you know, as it, as the movie went on, I was like, oh, yeah, of course he is. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's it's a delight that he's there. He sticks mm-hmm. around, um, and it's the fucking best. There's this one scene when they first arrive in India and they're eating that food, and it's just this one shot. Maybe he's doing it more, and I didn't notice. But there's that one shot where it's the end of the scene, and um, Indiana Jones says something thoughtfully, and then puts his hand together, thinking like, "Hmm," and then like behind him is short round doing the same thing, like just. Obviously, just copying him like exactly, yeah. And it's just like such a perfect moment that it, uh, I just, uh, it's delightful. Mirrored by like the end of the movie where they're both punching bad guys in the face. It's great. One fighting a man, one fighting a boy. You know, it's great. It's perfect. It's great. I love yeah. that. I love that. And um, yeah, and I, I mean the racial stuff aside, like the 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 whole aesthetic of <laughs> like monkey brains and dark chambers with lava and pulling out hearts. I love that shit. I live for yeah. that shit. That's my jam. Same. I I was surprised that Spielberg and, and, you know, obviously that writer that you referenced who pulled out, or the, was he a director? No, writer, writer, um, was like, um, oh, it's too dark, it's too dark. People, yeah, oh, I, it's I, good dark. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Yeah, it's um, – it's Cultural like appropriation, this, but that aside, it's um, yeah. Aside from that part, I guess the the setting or or the people that are doing it makes it a bit weird. But just just that whole setup, I love that shit. And the fact that I know I talk about practical effects all the time, but just the the whole aesthetic of everything about that, like the matte paintings yeah. and the yeah mine yeah, yeah. carts and like. All of that, man. There's, 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 there's poison and antidotes, and there's hearts being pulled out, and ah, oh, just all my favorite things. <laughs> I love that shit so much. Fucking great. Fucking love that. Oh, yeah. I really wish that someone. I think I brought this up in the way back when in the um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode. 
But I would love if someone made a film set in the 80s just using only technology that was available in the 80s mm. for special effects and shit. Because, fuck, there were so many shots in this that, uh, and I don't think it's just nostalgia. It, it no doubt is partly nostalgia, but it makes it even more mystical and otherworldly, mm. um, which is maybe slightly problematic to say we're talking about it as, you know, it's, it's India at the end of the day. But just in terms of weird shit is happening and it looks weird, looks not quite right. It, it, it works. Like if it was all smooth, perfectly crafted CGI, I think it would just be kind of meh, you know. The maps. Uh, did you see Uncharted? Have you watched Uncharted? Uh, I haven't I seen part it. part of it on the plane. If you're making an Indiana Jones type movie in 2022, like skip the racism part and just, yeah, get get some of that tangible, weird, practical shit in there. Eat some gross can, stuff. People probably can't do it. Yeah, because they say it's expensive or something, but isn't everything expensive? They've got budgets of like but the, hundreds I of mean, millions it, of dollars. When you listen to the way the guys did it, you know, they, they talk about how they had to get that one take, basically yeah. all in on one takes for that, for the, for the, for the rope bridge, bridge. for yeah. um, cut. And how they set up, like, I don't know, maybe it, it's a different type of craft these days, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm and you know, like Christopher Nolan of all people is very pro practical effect, but um, well, it's, you know what it is? It's not even the fact that it's practical effect. Oh. It is just the aesthetic of, like, um, like the thing. We got to do the thing soon, man. Mm. The thing I think is a good example where they did remake it with CGI in the two thousands, and it just was less thingy scary. It was so unsettling seeing like a weird physical. Even if it didn't mm. look real, that just made it Getting scarier because it was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but you enjoyed it as well, it sounds like. Yeah, it was fun. Do you have a strong point of view on like the different Indiana Jones movies and do you have a favourite or they're all just kind of one thing to you? I think, well, assessing the, the trilogy, I never watched the mm. Skull one because I didn't want to spoil the... I haven't seen that either. Yeah. yeah, but I'm now now that I'm kind of over that, I probably probably would watch it now. I had the exact same <laughs> the exact same in, in a monologue when I was really? watching this yesterday. Yeah. I'm just like, like I just I'm down to watch more. I don't care. I've made my I've made my point to yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll check it out, and it's got aliens apparently. So that's a lol. Yeah, but yeah, man. Like, yeah. Sorry to this probably. I, I think Raiders is probably my favorite. Mm. I don't know, this one kind of sits separate to the other two a bit, doesn't it? Like the other two are. I kind of get them all mixed up. Like I, at a high level I know the differences, but when it comes to like certain We're scenes back to and Nazis things, I get them all mixed up. Uh, we are, yeah. right? Yeah, I think that's why I get those two mixed up so much, yeah. I get them mixed up a little bit. So I don't know exactly where how I'd rank them, but probably Raiders number one. Yeah. Maybe Last Crusade. Maybe this is third. But I still like it. It's fun. But it's yeah. kind of a bit of a guilty pleasure at the same time. Spielberg says it's his least favourite. But so, that, I mean, there's a lot of narrative around this film being like the less good one or something. But then Rotten Tomatoes still has a really high score, but that must be including more recent reviews. But I don't know. I don't, I don't watch this and go, oh, this one's a bit shitter than the others. Like it's... <laughs> it's, it's, it's all yeah. It's, I'll enjoy it, <laughs> and it's got short round, which the others don't have, which is huge. How do you have short round in this and then not put him in part three? It's pretty fascinating. So, 
What happened to him after the Goonies? Because he basically did this and then the Goonies and he was awesome in Goonies and as a young kid, yeah, like uh, obsessed with him in that as well because he was like the data, you know, he was the gadget man. And yeah, super yeah. Cool. And then he, nothing and then a cameo effectively in, in Sino Man. That's but he's been right. behind the camera, right? He's been, yeah. he's been a stunt coordinator in heaps of cool shit. That worked with Jet Lee and exactly. He was he was he was a stunt choreographer on the one with Jet Lee. Yeah. Li and X-Men. So basically, you know what's kind of really yeah. cool about this he's is been doing stuff. Last time we talked about him was when we did the Goonies, which was pre everything everywhere all at once. And so yeah. when we talked about him, we basically talked about that kind of stuff. So uh, should we just, the world like, has just changed. for the, the friends who um, yeah. are watching a heap of cinema these days, Yeah, uh, he's back in a, well, a supporting role, but it's a, a very lead supporting role for such thing. Golden Globe nom in, already. In, yeah, he'll probably get the Oscar. Hottest movies. He's yeah. a Golden Globe nom, which, and that's on the 10th. So hopefully by the time this episode's released oh. in a couple Fuck of days, yeah. fingers crossed he'll win that. That would be so cool. This guy is a. He is just such a nice man. We both basically watched everything everywhere all at once because we were doing this movie, right? Because we both, we'd heard, oh, yeah. we need to watch that movie, haven't got around to it. This is the time to watch it, I guess, because we're going to talk about him. And it's fucking great. And yeah, he's fucking it's a, great, it's isn't a, it's it? A, it's a, I think I'll watch it again because I was like, what Me too. the fuck is happening right now? Because I, I didn't know what rare, I was watching. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those rare movies where you're like, you're like, oh, I'm I'm watching something actually different here. Yeah, <laughs> this is my, it's making my brain work, and I can't yeah, look exactly. at my phone while I do this. Yeah, this synapses firing off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, watch it, people. It's it's really cool, but it's it's really out there. So you got to like, just go with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fucking great. Yeah, but I mean, so last time we talked about him, that hadn't happened yet. And yeah. I, I went back and checked my notes on um, on uh, our Goonies episode and, like, my final note was, like, yeah, he's announced he's going to come back into acting off the back of the success of um, Crazy Rich Asians. It's like, oh, maybe there's yeah. more roles now. And that was the end of the update at that point, which I well, guess was maybe a year <laughs> or two ago, maybe two years done, ago at this point. He's done... He's done heaps. Man, he's fucking he's going to be in the next season of Loki, so he's entering the Marvel universe, I guess. Um everything everywhere at once. He's I mean to. every everyone in that movie deserves to win all the things. Um yeah. but he's he's got a high chance of winning. And what's kind of cool is like almost directly where we left off, him announcing his returning to acting. When they were casting everything everywhere all at once, they couldn't find the right guy. And the the two directors of that movie, the Daniels, one of them saw his tweet about his planning to return to acting and that's actually what like started yeah, the whole it's, conversation. Like, like it's, it's so it fucking great. It. And to that point, they're making Indiana Jones 5 right now. Short round has never been hotter. Why would you not put him in there? And I Googled it and it, he's already spoken about it saying he's not in it and you're a fucking idiot if you don't put him in. I don't get like, that. Yeah, put him in. People love him. He's the best. He's so fucking great in this. He's great. Also, wait, before we before we start talking about him in this movie, can I just play one clip of his award acceptance speech? He won a Gotham Award. I don't know what that is. He's winning a bunch of awards and he's, he's probably going to win an Oscar, I would say. Um, and it's just great because of all the things we've just said, his speech is very um, delightful. 
Uh, first of all, I just want to say I love Adam Sandler. Uh, wow, uh, this, is, this is incredible. This time last year, all I was hoping for was just a job. And, uh, and just when I think that it can't get any better, it does. Uh, what an incredible honor. Thank you so, so, so much to the Gotham. Uh, thank you to everyone at A24 who helped us make this movie and market this movie. Uh, thank you, Leyline Entertainment, Tim and Teresa. Uh, thank you so much to Agbo, Joe and Anthony Russo. There is no Wayman without Evelyn. So thank you so much to uh, Michelle Yeofor for sharing this wonderful journey with me. Thank you to Jamie Lee Curtis for helping me find my confidence when I needed it the most. And of course, thank you to the entire cast and crew. I feel so lucky to be part of this family. Oftentimes, it is in independence films where actors who otherwise wouldn't get a chance find their opportunities. I was that actor. Three wonderfully weird but insanely talented guys came along with this little movie and they said the three words that every actor so eagerly awaits to hear. We want you. We want you. We want you. And for the very first time in a very, very long time, I was given a second chance. And for that, I owe them everything. I was watching a bunch of interviews and, and stuff with the cast of that movie. And there's a great one with Jamie Lee Curtis talking about working with him and like their first shot or something, the first scene together. And then it cuts and he's like, was that okay to her? She's like, what are you talking about? That was great. Like, what's your, like, what are you, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I haven't done this in 20 yeah. years. <laughs> like, so apparently it took oh, him a man. bit to like get in the, back in the zone, like get his confidence back and stuff. But yeah, man. Uh, uh, crazy. I mean, him and Brendan Fraser back like the year of the comeback, right? Yeah, yeah. The nice guy comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear it for the nice guys. Hey, um, maybe a segue, if I may, mm. Mm. to not so nice guys. Oh <laughs> yeah, our friend A Moral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Rish Puri, who played Mola Ram. So Mola Ram is pretty revered as a as a villain, isn't he? Like. It seems to be. You seems mentioned be. it. And someone, a friend of the show, someone mentioned it too, like one of the greatest villains, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, some people are more critical because they say, oh, you don't really know what he's about. You know, there's no why behind what he's doing. But, you know, sometimes yeah. that always necessary would be maybe a counter argument to that. It's fair. Maybe that's even more evil. But uh, Spielberg says, my favourite villain, the best the world has ever produced and ever will. Um, so he's he's on board. So this chap, Amrish Puri, who I haven't 
really seen in much else, but he was prolific in India. Um, so to make Michael J. Fox look like a lazy little shit, <laughs> apparently Amrish was recording 18 films at the same time. <laughs> One eight. Eighteen. How do you get, not get them all mixed up? Uh, is it, like, it's going to be a, be a real missed out fire situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, wait, no, evil, evil. <laughs> oh, man, too good. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's pretty incredible. To get him into this film was um, a big juggle apparently, um, a big scheduling. Really? A logistical nightmare you might say. Um, but yeah. he's pretty awesome. Like he's only in a handful of scenes really but he has such a presence. Um, I think that's the thing, right? Because, yeah, I think like the – you mentioned heart. it and then, yeah, a friend of the show mentioned it I think before I rewatched it and – it is a unique one because he's not in it that much and he's just kind of there and evil, which I guess makes him scarier in a way because you're like, what's what's his deal even? Mm. But um, it's it, yeah, it's interesting that he's become like a real classic villain because, yeah, to your point, like there's not a huge backstory. There's not like much villain logic as I like to call it. It's like, oh, well, I guess there kind of is because they're trying to find the other stones. But I'm going to go out on know. a limb and say that he's living a double life. Yeah. He's a respected mm. member of uh, the Indian upper class. So it is a missed out fire situation. Similar. It's yeah. more like an eyes wide shut thing though. Oh, uh, okay. The password <laughs> is Fidelio. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's got the headdress. He seems very well spoken. He's very articulate. Um, mm. Calls him Dr. Jones and such. So I would just say he's just a mad um, kink fiend. Probably yeah. a doctor himself. Wait, 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 wait. So the other half is sex stuff, or this the stuff? Oh, we're this is the sexy is the stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. He has. Sex I would just with love if like his two personas are both like <laughs> one is <laughs> evil and the other is just like a sex fiend. Yeah. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that look. That's just my take, um, which is probably very accurate. Did I ever? I do have um, – it would be remiss of me not to share um, my fancy dress story. Oh, yeah, of course. This is a this is a real carny um, legend, I suppose, yeah, at this, this point. Yeah, is a, so, a very sore point in this house. Carol, in probably the <laughs> earlier years of us dating, maybe – You can see it unfold in our, in our, on our Instagram in the comments. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's still fresh, it seems. Um, but – Carol wanted to couples dress with me for a for a work Christmas party or something. And I was like, ah, oh, couples dressing isn't really my thing. And then a mate at work, um, <laughs> friend of the show, Mike Gennady, Mike and I were like, well, we could go as Indiana Jones and short round. And that was going to be our costume. And I told <laughs> – and so I knew that would upset Carol. So I – we were in bed. I think we were going to – like it was – Sleep. I think it was night. It was sleep time, and I sort of just I I put my phone on record <laughs> so I could record her response of me going, "Hey, um, guess what? I'm coming up with a costume for the Christmas party. <laughs> I'm going to go as Indiana Jones, and Mike's going to go as Short Round." And she's like, "There's this big long pause." She's like, "What? What?" And then she has a full scale <laughs> meltdown. Um, about me 
choosing Mike over here for a couples dressing. I missed the part where you said, no, I don't do couples costumes. Oh, yeah. That's that's a real, that makes it, that's what makes it really. Fucked up. It was yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah, well, look, it, look, at the end of the day, we went as Castaway and Wilson. Um, Who was Wilson? Uh, Carol. Yeah, okay. I was I was Tom Hanks. <laughs> Imagine if you did that with Gennady after all that. <laughs> yeah, so, <Gennady>. so instead, <laughs> I uh, you know the irony of all this is I technically sort of went um, in a costume coordinated with Carol once because oh, yeah. me and the Catrones were Ninja Turtles and she was Splinter. Splinter. That's true. I don't think that was coordinated either. I think that was just coincidence. Surely, coordinated. but you know we needed a Splinter. I can't really remember. I don't think so. Maybe it was. But she just randomly went as Splinter. Yeah, going solo splinter seems like it's a big pretty call. Out there. It's pretty out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it's a good massive point. respect if she did. We'll find out. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Who knows? That's a good point. But th- Carol said, "Well, maybe now for Halloween or something, we could put Bruce as man. You got to do it, around. Bruce. And I can go. That's, that's like fucking perfect. That's so good, man. You got to do it." Even if not for Halloween, just for like any day. Life? Like, yeah, for life. Just go do stuff in those costumes. Play cards. Mm, just hang um, out. Carol Carol can get harassed by an elephant. Yeah. And uh, Lola can go as like a big <laughs> bug. <laughs> I feel like she'd be happy as a bug. Yeah, she, I think she would. She's pretty uh, out there. Um, yeah, she so, is. yeah, that's a little snippet into um, the fancy dress dr- dramas of the Carney household. It's highly political, mm. uh, fancy dress. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked about Short Round, great character, like kind of makes the movie. Like as far as sequels goes, this is like a fresh ingredient that spices things up from the from the first one. It's like, yeah, a whole new ball of energy, delightful character, yada, 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 yeah. yada. On the flip side, mm. we have Willie Scott. Well, I... And, man, she is the waste. She is the waste on every level because as a character, like watching it, she annoys the shit out of me. But then even like writing that character, you're kind of a dick (laughs) for making her that way. Like it's so bad. It's such a bad trope that is just so like – Obviously outdated now. Having these characters like what? It's, no, I, oh my god! It's what? it's movies like this that that created the Bechdel. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, she is the inverse Bechdel, basically. And you know what? I say this while also recognizing that Harrison Ford is a stone cold fox. But the way, like the the romance between them was so weird. I found myself going, well, why does she want to bang him so bad? I'm like, oh, he's hot. Okay, I get that. He's like the hottest man in the world. Yeah, so I do. I guess you could argue that, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But that whole thing of like they were about to bang and then they had like five minutes or what? That was all weird. It was so weird. Yeah. Why, would, why does he want to bang her? I don't even fucking know. Like, and not against her, I just mean character-wise. Uh, it, it was so weird and un, I don't know. Repelled me, Greg. Yeah, it's not the best part <laughs> of the It's literally film. like, yeah, it's probably the worst. I think it might be worse than the Indian stuff. Like it's prob- it might be more sexist than the Indian stuff is racist. <laughs> like it's, it's bad. Tick your box. Bad. D, all of the above. And the irony is that like this is the role that like she f- they fell in love and they got married after this. Yeah, so that, is, that um, is interesting because 
if you were creating this movie. And they're still together. Yeah. So, so respect. R, uh, respect. Yeah, not RIP. The opposite of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, massive respect because she would have been so annoying playing. But from yeah. what I can see, she's quite a, um, she's quite a, like an intellectual sort of interesting woman, right? She seems great. Um, yeah, I think I was she, watching Making Of. Oh, yeah? And she seems great. And let me tell you, Greg, I saw some behind-the-scenes shots and I, I think sparks were flying. Oh, that's cute. I think the day that she dressed up for the musical number, um, Spielberg. Oh, sorry, someone's walking past. Seymour, hey. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. When she's dressed up for the musical number, um, Spielberg is wearing a tux in like some form of camaraderie, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, shooting his shot, I guess. I like it. Yeah. I like it. A little romance. And she seems like uh, an angel outside of this role. Yeah. But in this role, my God, she's the worst. I hate it. I think she went for it. Hate her. Well, part of it seemed to be that that opening scene, she was like, well, if I get to show off my singing and dancing, um, yeah, yeah. then I'm kind of into it. But apparently then in that dress, she couldn't do the dance moves because it was such a restrictive des- dress. Ah. But she did get to bust out anything goes in like Mandarin, so that she was like kind of yeah. content with that apparently. And then uh, and then an elephant ate that dress, which was apparently like a priceless dress. With um, oh really, all those sequences were it was stitched with sequences that were from the twenties and thirties. Ah, huh. yeah, elephant ate it. It's just kind of funny. That's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Because the character would be equally upset about that. Yeah, it kind of fits. They could have even weaved that into the story somehow. Yeah. Speaking of elephants, should we finally discuss the elephant in the room? Uh, this movie's a bit racist, Greg. <laughs> we, we've touched on it. But I think, you know, look, at the end of the day, this podcast, this is the premise of the podcast. We need to unpack these things. And, uh, you know... This is not to to in an attempt to cancel Indiana Jones or anything like that. I do think this is always easier if it's a shit movie and it's kind of racist because then you can just like go, ah, it's shit, best left in the past or whatever. Mm. But this one's hard because you enjoy the movie while simultaneously you're noting some shit that ain't good about it, which I think is is kind of kind of the point, I guess that that you can acknowledge something is not cool, while also enjoying other aspects of it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't like quite clearly articulate it. I think it's a bit like, you know, this whole Nepo baby thing has been in the conversation lately and we've been talking a lot about it because we think it's hilarious. And I, I think one of the things we were talking about was like just acknowledge it. You just need to acknowledge it. And I think the same goes here. I think it's it's not about saying this film's evil and it needs to be removed from the canon or whatever. It's more just, hey, we should acknowledge that there's some shit in here uh-huh. that is uh-huh. k- kind of not cool. Um, and it, it's a funny one too because on the flip side you've got Short Round, great character, like a lot of a lot of Asian kids growing up in the US or Australia or the UK, like even a friend of the show, Steve Chusick, commented that, um, that like it was a huge deal to have a character like that in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And so on the one hand you've got this film that is – having like a an Asian kid in such a key role and it's it's huge for Asian kids everywhere. 
And then on the flip side, you, you've got this terrible <laughs> representation of Indian culture. And it's not that they even out or cancel each other out or whatever. I guess it's just that both of these things can be true. Both of these things can be true. Short round is great. Representation of Indian culture is bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, and if there, was, if there was any doubt, the, the Indian government wouldn't let them film there because they went, guys, this okay, is really Okay, this is bad. the thing. And they went, okay, we'll just do it down the road. Thank you. So apparently recently Short Round himself, Ki Kwan, was asked about this and he said, man, like 40 years ago, I know I, I, I'm paraphrasing you. <laughs> He's like, 40 years ago, the world was different. Like I had a great role. Um, like I think that's a good thing. And would they do things differently now? Sure, of course, yada, yada, different world. I get that. But I was watching the making of, which was not made 40 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago max, and this producer, Robert Watts, it is almost, it is comical. The way he's talking about it is pretty, like how do you not get, I'll play the clip and then we can unpack. <laughs> of course it was set in India. I went to India first. We found all the locations. They were fairly well spread. But the one I liked best was the Amber Palace in Jaipur that we were going to use as the Maharaja's palace. I then began the negotiations with the Indian government, you know, for permission to do it. They have to vet the script and everything. And they began to ask for all these changes in the script. I rang George and told him, I said, look, I'm getting an awful lot of trouble out of the, the Indian government about the script. And when eventually, I'd said, I'd done everything and I discussed it with George. We'd set it in a little principality on the border of India. So it wasn't actually India, all this stuff. And, and in the end, they said, you can't use the word Maharaja. Well, I did it. I said, I've had enough of this. And I rang George and I said, I found everything in Sri Lanka, apart from Maharaja's palace, they don't have them there. How about a nice couple of match shots and we build the courtyard on the back lot. We're going to shoot the interior of the studio anyway. And he agreed. And then I took it to Stephen and he agreed. And that's what we did. It's so weird to me that that is presented as like a success story. Whereas how does that not give you any red flags that, Maybe what we've written here is <laughs> if the Indian government is not cool about it. Well, what are the concessions? Because he's sort of like, oh, I'd had yeah. it. Not, oh, you can't take I, my I had enough. out of there. What were the concessions yeah. then, man? What, were, what was in there? None. Yeah. How, well, well, were there? Were yeah. there? Maybe there was more and they, this is the payback version. <laughs> Fuck, can you imagine that? They wanted us to use it's an so actual funny. Indian person. Rather than our favourite villain, Painted Brown. <laughs> We'd already bought the body paint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just the way he says that, like, oh, I just had enough, so we shot it in Sri Lanka. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So the culture you're representing mentioned they had some issues with the way you're representing their culture, and you're like, oh, stop being so precious. Oh, I'm so going precious. to Sri Lanka. Same, same. same, same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck, man. And I think... um. Look, I'm no expert. We're just a couple of guys, Greg. A couple of couple of a couple of white guys. We're not the authority on this. But again, I think it's important to like try and educate ourselves. And for me, I think most of the movies we've done, eighties and nineties especially, there's always hints of a lot of this stuff. Like the white savior stuff and just, you know, very stereotypical representations of different cultures. That's kind of par for the course with eighties movies and stuff. But the food scene I think is the one that's pretty fuck. It's pretty 
pretty wow. It's it's so shitty, man. Yeah. And again, I am torn because I love the idea of that scene and I think about, you know, maybe that scene would be better suited in the Star Wars film where we're talking about aliens or something, not so much just our fellow humans who have a slightly different culture. A culture, mind you, that is primarily vegetarian, so very likely not eating snakes or monkey brains or eyeballs. Mm. Um, it's it's. Uh, I think that's the one that pushes it over the line versus its peers. Mm. It's so over the top and I think, I mean, from, from what I've heard of... <laughs> from, you know, not my own experience but non-white friends is that food is like the number, it's almost like your first experience of racism as a kid, the food you bring to school and people make fun of you for and all that kind of shit. So the fact that food is the thing in this that is, you know, takes it all too far is is it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Like it's the one thing that is, you know, a bit of a shitty situation for a lot of kids. Anyway. How do you do that without making it? Racist? Do you need more ambiguity in like who the people are? I guess one one softer way to do it would be once you're very much within the world of the cult. But this is the Indian royal family, supposedly. You yeah, know, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. the fact that it's like no, this is just normal Indian food. That's kind of fucked. And the fact that a lot of the cult stuff was based on real things by name at least. It kind of shits all over it. But, yeah, if this was more like India, we go to India, India is accurately represented and then it's like within India there's some crazy, there's a crazy cult and then you do this stuff, I think that would be a bit more palatable. Mm. But, yeah, or you just have it be aliens and you do it in another movie. Yeah. But you know what? So this is a funny thing. I... So Roshan Seth, who was the guy, I forget his character's name, he was one of the guys in that royal Yeah, he scene, was like the... Eating food. He was the attaché. He said Stephen intended it as a joke, the joke being that Indians were so smart that they knew all Westerners think that Indians eat cockroaches, so they served them what they expected. But the joke was too subtle for the film. And like, eh, I don't know if I buy that. That sounds like a cop-out. yeah. I was, I was watching a YouTube thing and this guy made a great point. It, it would be one thing if, like, they really went all in on that joke and Indiana Jones ate this food and they're like, you ate that? You Like, it was like, was it? Yeah. Like, it actually was a joke. Mm. Uh, but they didn't do that, you know. I, I don't think it was a joke. That's, yeah, that doesn't ring true to me anyway. Yeah. Calling anyway. bullshit. Anyway. Anyway. Hey, a couple of other legacy points for this film, Greg. Are you aware of a little song called Dr. Jones I, by Aqua? I was wondering if this was <laughs> going to come up from you. I've This is, of course, Wake Up Now. Yeah, when I mean, under, that's all I've got on it, he, the fact that it exists. Wake Up Now. <laughs> when he's under the voodoo trance, under the black magic. It's the true. Black, he drinks the blood. Wake Up Now. And it is this movie where they call him Dr. Jones a lot more, right? Oh, I think they call and, him yeah, Dr. Jones sleep. in... But it's um, but I, there, there's one scene where they're really going, Doctor Jones, Doctor Jones. Yeah, Wake up a lot of now. that. Literally says that. Yeah, uh, that's of course by Aqua, who also gave us and the Barbie Girl, the Barbie, the Barbie Girl song. Yeah, uh, another legacy of this film is the PG thirteen rating, 
in the US. Yes. Um, this film alongside Gremlins, I think, was the two. I think Gremlins was the first one that was officially a PG-13. PG-2. But, yeah, 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 apparently. In the Brill household. It's very uncharacteristic of my mother, but maybe she didn't know what it was either. Um, Depending on the time you walked into the room, it might have been fine. Yeah. Heart ripping? Yeah. No. <laughs> Riding the elephants have and the water had- squirting? Yes. Man, I saw a meme about this recently. Have you ever like, did you ever have a moment as a teenager where you're watching a movie in your room or something and every time your mum walks in, it's a sex scene and you're like, I swear it's not that movie, mum. That but happened I had to that me with, with Indiana Jones. In the temple. <laughs> I'm watching for the plot, mum. Gosh. What did you have it in? I had it for uh, Booty Call, ah. which, you know, it has adult themes, but it's not like full of sex. But every time my mum walked in, it was that. Oh, yeah. Should we get into the verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, I guess at a high level is is anything fundamentally outdated? I think what we just spoke about really that's 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 the that's yeah. the yeah. big cloud hanging over the film. Um, but we've acknowledged that um, FX test beautiful. I love it. Mm. I love it. Did you notice, Greg? Actually, I want to ask you this: uh, the minecart scene. Uh-huh. Did you notice in the zoomed out shots that there were like dummies? Oh. Sorry, I thought you were going to say the walls. Um, I think so. I can't remember. I read that. Yeah, obviously, for most shots, you can see their faces and yada, yada, yada. But when they zoom out and it's just one of those, you know, wide shots, if you're, if you're looking for it, you can tell that they're miniatures and there's no humans yeah. in that cart. It is just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fucking awesome. I fucking love yeah. it. But it holds up, man. I say it holds up. Um, Part of the appeal. Yeah, right? It kind of works. I think it just kind of works. Representation. Okay, Bechdel test. This is, what's the opposite of Bechdel? Schmechdel. <laughs> Schmechdel. This is a Schmechdel if ever I saw one. Yeah. Race Bechdel, even worse. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, moving right along. Cultural relevance. Did Simpsons do it? I mean, they more explicitly did Raiders of the Lost Ark. but Oh, I, I found um, there's the bit where Homer... Um, Homer goes to run the um, the outpost of the nuclear power plant in India, and he, you know, and, he, oh, right? and he's got his head painted like Mola Run. Really? Yeah. Fuck! I don't even remember that. He goes all. It's a bit more of a um, apocalypse now. It's more recent. Um, oh, yeah. Do you know yeah, the episode? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a later, yeah. earlier one, so it might be like season fifteen or something. I think. Right. I could be way off. Fuck, I think I'm ready to start net new with The Simpsons again, actually. There you go. I need a new default show, you know, like just a background show. Um, so Simpsons did do it, as it turns out. Porn parody, finally, yes, this is the porn parody we've been talking about for 200 episodes in, in Diana Jones and the Temple of Poon. That's it's it. here. This is it. Wow. This is it. Really? Really on your part. Sorry, I didn't press any buttons all episodes, so I'm making up for it now. Keep going. <laughs> Exactly. Overall, man, I enjoy this movie. There's problems and that sucks. 
But yeah, I think it's more about acknowledging them and learning from them and enjoying what's left. And fuck, what's left is pretty fucking good, in my opinion. Um, what about you, Greg? Rewatch? Yeah, I'll watch this again. Um, yeah. I'll probably get the kids to watch it and I'll probably explain to them <laughs> the bits that are wrong. Some things. I think that's the silver lining is it does give you a moment to like point out some things. Mm. Like we learn from our mistakes as a culture. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So back when this was made. Back when like, this was made, this was the only special kind of st- effects they had. <laughs> back when this was made, the Indian diet was very different. <laughs> you must understand. <laughs> um, MVP. Uh, look, I've got um, who have I got here? Short Round and Molar Ram. Yeah, you do. Mention. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Short Round all day. Yeah. Man. Sweet, sweet man. Fuck yeah. He's the fucking best. Fucking legend. I'm, man, yeah. More. Give me more. 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 What are we doing next week? I think we're doing Tango and Cash. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're kind of doing a few random ones and we will hit a mini series. We're going to map out our year. Yeah, we're going to be a bit more organized this year. You get things a bit more uh, buttoned up. Uh-huh. Anyway, leave a review. In the meantime, yeah, let's, let's go. Yeah, five star. These guys are great. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell your yeah. friends. Uh, but it's yeah. good to be back. It is good to be back. It's great. It's delightful. Yeah, and until next week, go watch some Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything ever all once. Yeah. Bye. And, and then and then the truth is, as I got older, there was just not a lot of opportunities for an Asian actor at that time. Older meaning like 14? No, no, like late teens, early late, 20s. Right, okay. Uh, and then I just found myself waiting and waiting for the phone call. For an audition, not even a job, but just, right. just an opportunity to audition. Right. And it came, you know, like once a year mm. or once every six months. While my peers were like auditioning for like two times a week, three times a week, and they were doing movies after movies, I, and it was just really dispiriting. I mean, I was, I, it wasn't fun for a time. Uh, so I decided to step away from acting, went to film school, and, uh, and I was content for many years working behind the camera. And it was not until 2018 when Michelle's movie, The Crazy Rich, Crazy Rich Asians, came out, and that movie just hit me on so many levels. I remember watching it three times in the theater and I cried every single time and I had serious FOMO. Mm, yeah, and, that's what it all and comes I, down when to. When I saw <laughs> so many, the entire cast made up of Asian actors mm-hmm. and I go, wow, I wish I was up there with them. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the idea of getting back into acting, that's where it started. I call up an agent friend of mine um, and this was like after decades without an agent. Uh, and I asked him, would you want to rep me? And he says, yes. Two weeks later, I got a call about this movie. Two weeks later, this movie. Day one, we did our scene, first day. And I remember afterwards, you, you kind of leaned over and you went, was that okay? Yeah. And I was like, was that okay? That was crazy great. 
because the camera was on you guys first. Mm-hmm. And it was then that you told me that. And that was the my memory of the movie, mm-hmm. was that moment of going like, you haven't had the opportunity yeah. to use that gift yeah. for decades? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there receiving your gift for the first time in decades? It was, mm-hmm. I remember that moment. I'll never forget that moment because it, it speaks to the this weird business that we're in, mm. where all of these talented people mm-hmm. just want to do their thing. 